0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the program. It is Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. And today, we got plenty of stuff to get to. I'm also excited to um, further announce the uh, new format changes. You may have noticed the um, messages on our Twitter and Facebook pages about the uh, changes to the show. So, uh, very excited for that. Very excited to get... Uh, the new format going with shows Monday um, and then get the uh, guest Fridays going. That's going to be fun. Uh, looking forward to my conversation with Andrew Lydon uh, that will be out on Friday. We'll be talking about the Patriots and their upcoming matchup with the Buffalo Bills. I uh, will also be talking about Patriots kind of season as a whole too. So I'm looking forward to that. But um, as always, you can follow the Facebook page, follow the Twitter page, uh, listen and uh, follow on Spotify. You can listen follow, uh, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcast as well. Um, so obviously the uh, episodes on Mondays are going to be more, uh, are going to be similar to typical episodes where we'll, you know, go through the Boston teams first, go through other stuff, um, and then the uh, guest Fridays obviously will just be um, an interview about a specific topic. So I know that I said that uh, my conversation with Andrew will be about Uh, The Patriots doesn't mean we're not going to talk about the Patriots uh, today. It just means that uh, probably most of today will be spent talking about the game from yesterday, um, and more of the preview for next week will happen uh, in my conversation with Andrew. So without further ado, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, Plenty of sports on the tube uh, this weekend. It was kind of crazy. I felt like I was watching... uh, multiple different sports, college basketball, um, NFL, NHL, NBA. It was pretty crazy. Um, but obviously, Patriots coming up short to the Dolphins yesterday, um, and which was a very frustrating game. You know, I will not sugarcoat it. It was ugly. You know, it was not a game that you would expect that they would play. Um, you know, granted, they have trouble in Miami. You know, I think we all know that. But um, it just was kind of shocking to see you know some of the same issues that they had in indianapolis um and you know against buffalo a little bit you know crept back in you know the patriots made too many mistakes uh, early on dug themselves in a hole and then you know shot themselves in the foot all day you know when you think about um you know fumbles uh, you think about penalties um, and just kind of mistakes that are not typical mistakes of you know a team like this so you know obviously it's a bad loss you know the Patriots um, again kind of like last year have struggled late in the season and you know I think that obviously it's fair to be concerned I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm not worried about the Patriots in the playoffs because I think you know as we said during last week's episode you know you want to try to build momentum for the playoffs you want to try to you know, use this game as a springboard for the playoffs. And, you know, the Patriots clearly tried to do that, but obviously it didn't work out. So I don't want to sit here and, you know, sugarcoat everything and tell you that, you know, it is going to be fine. But I will tell you, you know, if you think about the teams the last two years and how they have played poorly late in the season, it's a new team. You know, this is not the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick Patriots. And I think a lot of people are, starting to kind of lump that old team in with this team and it's like you know they've they've uh, struggled in games that they you know usually win and it's like well the patriots are in a state of transition you know whether or not people want to believe it or not you know last season you had a ton of opt-outs you had cam newton you had a roster that does not look like the roster it does this year you know, And then this season, you have a rookie quarterback leading your team. You have a lot of new guys on this roster. And I just think that I don't want to say something like, oh, cut the team some slack, but that's kind of what I'm saying because I think people look at this Patriots team and they think, okay, the Patriots are the Patriots of old. They're the Patriots with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. They don't lose games in December, you know, they don't make these mistakes and things like that and I just think this team is kind of on the fly trying to remain a contending team you know when other teams probably would have tried to do something different than the Patriots did this offseason and just try to build for the future and the Patriots are trying to do it you know I think in a quick way which honestly I think that it's working but I think that you have to be reminded that this team is moving into, like, a, a, a transition to be a new team, you know, that you're going to be a team that's going to probably get younger over the next few years. You know, you're going to want to bring in younger players at key positions, um, and I just think it's a young team that's still kind of learning. You know, I understand that you were 10-7, and seven, that you had the number one seed in the AFC, but I can't... I can't really tell you that that's what like that that's what the expectation was for this team that once they got the number one seed they'd hang on to it. I mean, we all saw how well they played during the seven game win streak, but I don't think any of us really should be should have been saying that oh this team will go to the Super Bowl. I mean I think that that was just kind of a, a knee jerk reaction, and I think you know looking at this team at ten and seven this is kind of what the expectation was at the beginning of the season, you know, the expectations shouldn't have changed at nine and four and shouldn't have been like, oh, this team will be the number one seed. This team will will win the AFC East. This team will win the Super Bowl." Um, you know, so, you know, it's too bad that they end the season losing three out of four. It's too bad that they ended, you know, the season with the game that they did yesterday, you know, falling down 14 to nothing, having to climb all the way back. And then, you know, being on of day- being unable to get a stop on third down in which, you know, there probably was a penalty call that didn't go the Patriots way. That kind of was a bit of a theme yesterday. There were a couple of uh, pretty questionable calls and non-calls in yesterday's game. I mean, I think, sure, you have some mistakes that you absolutely shot yourself in the foot with. You know, thinking, thinking something in the sense of Lawrence Guy lining up over the center on the punt. I mean, you just can't do that. That's just inexcusable. Um, but, you know, there were some mistakes, all you know, quote-unquote mistakes. You know, Brandon Bolden makes absolutely no contact with, you know, the, the punter who's sliding to try to get a first down. You know, he's committed to that tackle. There's really nothing he can do, but, you know, anytime there's something that looks like a violent collision, there has to be a flag. So, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. Um, But I just thought the mistakes that they made yesterday, it just, you can't make those mistakes and expect to win games. Um, So, you know, I think that obviously there's a lot been said that's been said over the last few weeks about the Patriots' supposed inability to, you know, come back or play from behind. Um, And I just think that that's just kind of, I don't really know what the word for it is, but I don't really think that that's very accurate because you've seen how the Patriots have been able to respond in Indianapolis and in Miami yesterday when they get down by a big deficit, they come back and get some momentum. You know, the Patriots obviously had momentum stopped when they couldn't get that stop on third down at that, I think after, I think it was after the two minute warning, um, that you know that should tell you that they can play from behind it's not ideal but they can do it you know they almost came back against the Colts they almost came back against the Dolphins so you know I know people are going to say oh it's almost it doesn't really count but you know if the Patriots were down 24 27 to 10 you know they could have just could have just laid down and just ended the game and try to avoid injury but you know People are going to say what they're going to say. But again, it's not to say that the Patriots' performance yesterday is excusable because it's not. You know, I think the game that Mac Jones had was, was good but not great. And, you know, I think you had the big mistake early on with the interception and the fumbled snap. I mean, I think those were the two biggest mistakes that I think cost you this game. Um, and I think that when the Patriots go into Buffalo, Mac Jones cannot afford to make those type of mistakes. Um, But I also just think, you know, he's a young rookie quarterback, and I've said this plenty of times, you know, yes, you won seven straight games. You've won some games where he's been very good, but he's a rookie quarterback, and you have to deal with a developing quarterback, and you have to deal with the mistakes, and you have to deal with all these things that are going to happen because he's young. You know, not everyone's going to be Tom Brady right out of the gate, you know, and Brady made some mistakes early on, too. I think a lot of people forget about that, you know. But I think you drafted a for QB in the first round. You know, there are going to be growing pains. Uh, the Patriots, I think, have had the benefit of not having too many of those because I think if you had a growing pain season like Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or any of these quarterbacks that, you know, had a lot put on them leading up to the draft— And you had a season like that, you know, then I think people would be, you know, I just think, again, you have to be patient with a young quarterback. And I really think that's the point. Um, But I think, yeah, Patriots defense, obviously, very poor against the run. Duke Johnson had over 100 yards. The Dolphins had almost 200 yards rushing as a team. Um, That obviously needs to change. I mean, I don't know what it's going to mean against Buffalo. And obviously Andrew and I will talk about that later in the week. Um, But I think stopping the run is going to, is really key for a team that wants to potentially make some noise in the playoffs. So a tough game yesterday, but obviously it's not anything that, you know, really cost them any big playoff seating. I mean, sure. If you were of the opinion that the Patriots would have been better off playing Cincinnati, as opposed to Buffalo, you know, then maybe some people are upset. But I think falling into a situation where you're playing Buffalo or Cincinnati, as opposed to Kansas City, I mean, I think you'll take that every single time. No one wanted to play the Kansas City Chiefs in the first round, even though they didn't look very good um, in their game on Sunday. You know, it kind of took a a big play defensively for them to get the win. So just consider yourself lucky that uh, you are not, looking at playing the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead this weekend. So, um, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be, I think, with this Patriots team in the playoffs. Um, and obviously I'll talk further with, with Andrew about that. But um, it's a tough loss yesterday. You know, a lot of things went wrong for you. And I think if you're going to get passed around in the playoffs, you can't afford these types of mistakes. So, you know, hopefully that gets corrected. Um, it is worth noting the Patriots' defense were missing a couple of pretty key players. Um, Kyle Duggar missed the game with a hand injury. Miles Bryant was on the COVID list, and I think that Dante Hightower also missed the game. Um, and then Christian Barmore got hurt late in that game yesterday, but the MRI appears to have come back clean, so he appears to be okay. So it'll be interesting to see what his status will be Um And the other players that I mentioned, too, because I think those are pretty key players um, if you're going to want to be successful um, against the Bills. So, you know, as I said in the uh, show announcement, we're trying to make these Monday episodes a little bit shorter. So I'm not trying to spend too much time talking about the Patriots as I sometimes do. So we're going to move on. Uh, We are not done talking about the NFL because there's certainly some more stuff uh to get to we'll talk about that after we get to the Bruins and the Celtics. So taking a look at the Bruins and I know that obviously, you know, we last uh, were with each other on Friday and it's only been it's only been 3 days, so there's not too much Bruins stuff to get to in terms of games because the Bruins just played one on Saturday, but it was perhaps their biggest win of the season. Uh, Bruins winning 5-2 in Tampa Bay on Saturday night. David Pasternak getting on the score sheet, scoring twice. Marchand had two, including the empty net winner. Anton Bleed had a goal, too. And uh, the Bruins are starting to play really good hockey. You know, it's uh, pretty exciting to see that this team has now won four out of five out of the break. Uh, Bruins will travel to D.C. to play the Capitals tonight. Uh, Charlie McAvoy will be back in the lineup. He actually was a late scratch um, on Saturday's game, but the Bruins put in uh, Arho Vakanainen. He uh, actually played pretty well um, from what I saw. You know, it seemed like he actually was pretty comfortable. Uh, he may play again today because I believe there are some testing issues for Connor Clifton and Derek Forbert, so I don't know if they're going to be available. McAvoy appears to be in. Uh, Nick Foligno did. Um, leave the game on Saturday with a leg injury, so he is out. Carson Kuhlman is back in. Linus Olmark will get the start tonight. Jake Dabruski is back skating but will not be available for tonight, um, so you could see him back in the near future. But an awesome performance by the Bruins um, in Tampa Bay on Saturday, which um, is good to see David Posternak starting to score some goals. And, you know, if you saw that first goal um, on Saturday, it was probably – one of the ugliest goals you'll ever see, but it doesn't matter. You know, you got to get pucks in the net, and I think for his confidence, seeing pucks go in is huge. Um, so he added another goal in the first period. Bruins, you know, building a 4 nothing lead. Tampa Bay comes back to make it 4-2. Bruins had a huge penalty kill. Uh, the penalty kill actually was huge uh, just as a whole in this game. You know, I know we talked about last week that uh, the Bruins have had some trouble on the PK, but it really came back in a big way on Saturday. Um, I believe that the two goals Tampa Bay scored were at even strength. Let's um, take a quick look at the stats from that game. Yeah, Bruins were 4 for 4 on the penalty kill. So I think, you know, that's definitely something to keep your eye on. Hopefully that, that is something that can improve uh, for this Bruins team that I think is hopefully starting to kind of get their act together and starting to figure out, you know, what's working well, what's not. Um, I think that Eric Halla has started to play well with Taylor Hall, with David Pasternak. Taylor Hall's now um, on a six, I believe on a six-game point streak. Um, So he's playing really well, and that's good to see. You know, I know that I've talked about in the past few weeks that he's been someone that's not been playing well, but I think it's good to see him kind of getting his – his point or get it, get, get a point streak going, um, posternak to get some goals. You know, I think that that obviously can only help, um, you're seeing someone like Oscar Steen, who has been called up, uh, a couple times this year and he's been outstanding recently. I think that he has really, uh, shown you that he belongs, you know, and he is definitely a guy that, that should stick in this lineup. Um, and I think the fourth line is playing really well. Uh, Trent Frederick, I think is, Getting himself involved in good ways, you know. I still think that he uh, may have inadvertently cost the Bruins the game on the on Thursday night against Minnesota. But I think he's as long as he's engaged and he's doing the right things. I think that that's that's a good thing. You know, I think that he's still kind of learning how to, you know, use his whatever way he plays in the most positive way possible. Um, You know whether that's getting in on the forecheck, whether that's putting up points, um, or whether that's getting under opponent's skin. You know I think that you have to be careful when you do that and not go too over the top like he did on Thursday. But you know he's learning, and I think that he's playing well. I think Nosik is playing well. Uh, Curtis Lazar has been really good. Um, I really think that the forward group has really started to figure things out, and I think Bruce Cassidy has found. Something with that second line with Pasternak and Hall because both of them look like totally renewed players. You know, after the after the break, you know they've looked really, really dangerous offensively. Uh, Bruins obviously with a great performance against the uh, two-time defending champs. Um, So you just hope that continues. Bruins are uh, at thirty-eight points; could get to forty points tonight with a win in Washington. Obviously, Washington and the Capitals is. Uh, Tough place for the Bruins uh, recently, Uh, but the Capitals will be without Dmitry Orlov, one of their top defensemen. uh, TJ Oshie and Nicholas Backstrom will be available for the Capitals, so it should be a a difficult game. You know, I think that uh, clearly this is a game that, you know, the Bruins can't afford to let this game get out of hand. You know, I know that Washington is a pretty big rival of yours. You know, obviously you played in the first round together. Uh, last year this is their first meeting of the season so you know I wouldn't expect or I would expect that things may get a little chippy uh, but the Bruins really can't get a can't afford to be knocked off their game Um, and I think you know oftentimes when there is physical play when there is kind of extracurricular activity as it's also known um, the Bruins often are teams that will get extra twos so I think they have to be extra careful um, in this game that they can't have They can't find themselves on the penalty kill six times tonight. You know, you're not going to win with Washington with how good they are in the power play. Um, with Ovechkin lurking, you know, yeah, still at his old age. You still have to be aware of where he is in the ice at all times. Um, so the other kind of little bit of news to obviously was unable to uh, play in Providence this weekend because of COVID postponements. Um, so it makes it sound like his he may not be able to get any tune-up games in Providence, which, you know, obviously isn't ideal. It's not the most ideal situation. But I think, you know, I think in Tuka's defense, he doesn't really need tune-up games in the AHL. I mean, I think that he's, you know, a seasoned veteran. He kind of knows what it's going to be like. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a little rusty coming out of the gate. But um, Bruin's still unsure about whether he'll be able to or when he'll be able to come back. so obviously Bruins in D.C. tonight um, and then they will return home on Wednesday and Thursday to play uh, Montreal. That game actually was initially was initially supposed to be in Montreal, um, but it was moved to TD Garden. Bruins will travel to Montreal at a later date in March. Um, so I think if you have tickets to the Bruins-Canadians game in March, those tickets are good for Wednesday night. Um, and then the Bruins will play Philadelphia on Thursday, also at home. Um, and then they will host Nashville. So the Bruins have a good amount of home games coming up. Um, as we take a look at their schedule, I think it's four straight. Or actually, excuse me, it's seven straight. So the Bruins um, have quite a home stand coming up after this Washington game. Uh, Montreal, Philadelphia, and Nashville are the three games that are upcoming Um, And then they will play Carolina, Washington, and Winnipeg next week. So um, speaking of some Bruins that have started to play better, um, putting up points, Taylor Hall is now tied for fourth on the team in scoring with 20 points. Um, And so I think starting to get contributions from him is huge. You know, I think that that's going to be something to watch for over the next few weeks. Does he continue to play that way? Um, does David Posture not continue to start playing well? Um, you know, not. I actually am not sure when the trade deadline is, but I don't think that that's coming up anytime soon. But I would think that the Bruins may be fairly active, you know, if they're starting to play this well. You know, I think, as I said, maybe at various points in the off season or at the beginning of the season, like, this is a team that I think really needs to just go for it right now. And I really think need to... Just throw caution to the wind and try to just get one more championship, and load up as as big as you can. And I'm I mean like trading first round picks and trading, like prospects like Stutnika because I really think this is a team that may be you know rebuilding and maybe trying to do uh kind of a, a do kind of a serious rebuild. And I just think if you're gonna do it anyway, you might as well just go all in and try to you know, build a team that maybe can get deep in the playoffs um, because you got Ras coming back. Hopefully he's kind of well-rested. You know, McAvoy's really come into his own. Um, so I would think if the Bruins are going to make moves, they try to be active, try to see if they can get someone that can be more of a legit number two center and seeing if they can get another defenseman um, that could play bottom pair or maybe top four minutes, you know, depending on what they can get. So Bruins in D.C. tonight will be, it'll be an exciting game. It's always fun when they play the Caps. So uh, we will take a look at the NHL standings in a little bit. So we'll take a look at where the, where the Bruins are. So I think we will now uh, get to talking about the Celtics. Obviously, there was a lot of uh, negative stuff floating around last week um, after the Celtics lost uh, close games to the Spurs and the Knicks. Uh, the Celtics did rebound on Saturday night, beating the Knicks fairly easily, 99-75. to um, Jalen Brown, his first career triple-double in this game. And the Celtics shot very well from the floor in this game. Um, 47%. It uh, was a really good game for Jalen Brown, 22 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. The Celtics had 26 assists on 36 field goals, and I think... You want to see more of that, You know, I think this is a team that obviously is going through some tough times. you know, I think that would be underselling it quite a bit. But I think that it's it's good that you were able to get Jason or Jalen Brown involved. Uh, Josh Richardson had an excellent game at 17 off the bench. Um, he's been quietly a really good find by the Celtics in the off season. Um, and I think he's a guy that, in my opinion, should get more looks late in the game. Um, You know, the Celtics typically will put Schroeder and and Smart in the lineup at the same time in the fourth quarter, and I think sometimes that ends up being an issue um, because it doesn't really give you enough shooting. Um, And I think Josh Richardson is actually shooting a career high this season on his field goals, so I would think it kind of makes a lot of sense for him to play late in games. He gives you another shooter you know, if defenses are going to focus on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, someone like Richardson gives them someone that they can find for for open shots. Um, And I think, obviously, there's a report that came down uh, earlier today from from Shams. Uh, You can read that report, I think, on The Athletic, um, or if you follow him on Twitter and, you know, made a report that the Celtics are not interested in splitting up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, which makes me feel good, and I think... It should make some other, some certain people look bad uh, trying to paint the two of them as not being friendly. I can't believe that that is something that still continues to happen. You know, there are people that will make statements. I'm not going to name names, but I think if you've been following Celtic stuff on Twitter, you kind of know who I'm talking about. That there are certain people that I think will stoop to certain levels to try to drive a wedge between these two players. And I really don't care, you know, what you say. It's like if you make a certain if you make a statement in a certain way, people will infer certain things. And I just think you kind of know what you're doing when you're saying so, when you're saying something like that. So, you know, I just I don't understand why this still continues to be a thing. You know, the two of them play well together. It's well documented that they play well together. They have had success together. Like it doesn't need why how many more times does it need to be said? Um, But it was interesting that uh, there was something else in that report that the Celtics appear to be open for business um, on the rest of their roster, which, you know, kind of makes sense considering how much they've struggled. So, you know, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means that it's Dennis Schroeder that maybe is available. I mean, he should be. I mean, the Celtics really have—there's no point for the Celtics to hang on to him. Um, You know, is it any of the young players that maybe are gathering interest Um, you know, Marcus Smart, perhaps, you know, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that shakes out the rest of the season. But I don't expect the Celtics are going to be doing any kind of crazy moves, like any big moves to try to get back into contention. Because I think, you know, at this point, the Celtics are going to be what they're going to be. I mean, I think you could make a big trade, but I don't really think that that would solve all their issues. Like, I think you're better you're better off trying to make a big move in the offseason, whether that's going to try to sign Bradley Beal or Zach Levine or someone else, um, and then trying to put them with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Um, but I think, yeah, it should tell you that the Celtics are not interested in trading one of them, so you can stop talking about blowing it up. Um, but it was a good solid win for the Celtics. Celtics will host the Pacers uh, tonight. The Pacers are 15-25. and 25. They've fallen on a little bit of hard times, but they still have some uh, solid players. So, you know, as you've seen with this Celtics team this season, you can't really expect that they're going to beat any team on any given night. So there's really no such thing as an easy game, you know, even if the team that they're playing is 10 games under 500. um, Demontis Sabonis, I think it's pretty clear that he is open to being uh, traded from Indiana. They also have had uh, Lance Stevenson. Yes, he's still playing NBA basketball, still kicking around, had, a uh, 14 assists the other night. So the Celtics has always got to bring the energy, got to bring the, um, the fight. And, you know, I think it, it's, it's just kind of crazy, you know, and, and Brian Scalabrini was saying this during the, uh, during a Celtics game um, on Saturday night that, you know, why can't they always play like this? You know, you see, Games like you saw from Jalen Brown, he had eleven assists. Jason Tatum had, I think, double digit assists in the uh, Thursday night loss to the Knicks. Um, you, the Celtics have the ability to play like this, to play with good ball movement, um, and pass the ball around, take good shots, play with energy, especially on defense. It's the Celtics are not incapable of playing that way, and so I suppose you know that's what's so frustrating is they have the ability to play very well. They have the ability to be a top four team in the East. I still maintain that, that if they play to their, if they play to their talent, if they play as talented, you know, as they are, if they play with as much intensity as they should, there's no reason that they can't be a very good basketball team, but it just, for whatever reason, it's just not coming together. So, you know, I think you got to hope that maybe some roster changes can, can do that, um, but, you know, I think trading Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum is not the answer. And I think that the answer is somewhere between, you know, trading one of those two guys, you know, if that's the extreme or just kind of some small roster moves, like you kind of need to do something in between, you know, not something that's going to go to the level of trading one of your big players. Um, but I think you know, maybe it's trading someone like Marcus Smart, you know, I think maybe the Celtics make a tough decision like that. Um, You know, I think the Celtics have, I don't want to say hung on to Marcus Smart for as long as they can, but I think, you know, as much as yes, they did sign him to a contract extension, they may think that maybe he's just not the best guy to surround Tatum and, and Brown with, you know, that maybe he's not as good of a ball distributor as they want him to be. So, I think that will be something that, that will be interesting to watch going forward You know, as we get closer to the trade. I think we're about a month out at this point. So, you know, good win for the Celtics against the Knicks. Hopefully that can continue tonight. Uh, the Celtics, in their upcoming schedules, we took a look at the Bruins' uh, upcoming schedule. I think it makes sense for us to look at what the Celtics are looking at. The Celtics, like the Bruins, also have plenty of home games coming up. No, they're not playing on the same night. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, The Celtics do have uh, two road games this week as they will play at Indiana and at Philadelphia. Or actually, no, they'll play at home tonight against Indiana and then on the road against Indiana and Philadelphia on Wednesday and Friday. And then the Celtics will play against the Bulls on uh, Saturday night. At I'm not really sure why that game is scheduled for that time because uh, there's no national TV. So I don't know, maybe there's a mistake there. Um, and then the Celtics will play on MLK Day against the Pelicans um, next week. So the Celtics, after this two-game little road trip, uh, will have five straight at the Garden. Um, so, you know, hopefully the Celtics can maybe string some wins together because there are some bad teams in there. But, you know as I said, you can't really take any team for granted if you're the Celtics at the moment. So um, we'll talk more about the the Celtics next week. Any other, or no, that's not what I meant to say. I meant to say we'll talk more NBA in a little bit. Just wanted to touch um, on the Celtics. So now that we're kind of done with the local teams, we'll go to some uh, kind of bigger stories, if you will, before we get into the NFL playoffs um, and get to some of the game previews um, I think it makes sense for us to touch on, uh, some wild news in the NFL. So obviously today, uh, I think it's, it's, I think it's black Monday as it's known as like the day of like the day that coaches get fired. I mean, that's kind of a well-known thing that the day after the regular season is over. That's typically when teams will, will fire their coaches. So obviously, uh, the crazy news, uh, Brian Flores is out as coach of the Dolphins after three years, and this was a shocker, I honestly still am in shock that this happened. Uh, Brian Flores, obviously the former former defensive coordinator with the Patriots, 24-25 um, and 25 in his three years in Miami, but the Dolphins did have a winning record two years in a row. They won 10 games last season, won nine games this year, including beating the Patriots twice. Um, and he still gets fired, um, and I just kind of can't believe that. I think it's something that, you know, the Dolphins have been a team that I think are in have been in need of a change in culture and a change in the way they do things, and it kind of seemed like they were making progress. Um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot that's going to be said in the next days and weeks about, you know, possibly their relationship with Tua. And that could be why he is out. And maybe the Dolphins ownership is of the opinion that, you know, Tua should be flourishing and perhaps could flourish over a, or could flourish with a new head coach. um, And perhaps that's the issue. But, you know, I just am kind of in shock that, you know, this is a Dolphins franchise that has really never had that much success in recent years. And you have a coach who's won who has had a winning record with your team two years in a row and perhaps nine and eight, you know, is not really good enough. And let's be honest, they did start one and seven, but you know, Brian Flores still deserves a lot of credit for getting that team, you know, to being a a game from being in the, in the playoff structure. You know, I didn't think they were going to beat the Titans last week, but you know, to get fired in a season where you beat the Patriots twice, You know, you bookend your season with wins against them is just kind of mind-blowing to me. So I'm not really sure where the Dolphins go next. I mean, obviously, there's always been rumors about Deshaun Watson and their interest there. But, you know, it just kind of blows my mind um, that the Dolphins would would make this move. Uh, Two other coaching fires that don't really shock anyone, the Vikings firing Mike Zimmer um, and the Bears firing Matt Nagy. So, take a look at the uh, Vikings' decision. Uh, Zimmer actually was the seventh longest tenured head coach in the NFL. Um, Actually played pretty well um, or coached pretty well in Minnesota 72 56 and 1. He was hired in 2014. Vikings obviously coming off two consecutive sub 500 seasons. So, that probably has a little bit to do with it. Um, not really much of a surprise. Matt Nagy, obviously, out in Chicago. No surprises there. i uh, be curious to see what the Bears look like. Um, because, honestly, you know, you look at their offense, they actually they have some pretty solid players on that offense. You know, you think of Cole Komet, the tight end, David Montgomery at running back, um, Allen Robinson, who, you know, was hurt for most of the year. Um, Darnell Mooney's a pretty good player. And then, obviously, you got Justin Fields. So, Um, I'm curious to see who the the Bears will hire. I think things are a little more complex in Minnesota. I mean, I think you have a roster that can compete. I mean, clearly with the weapons they have on offense um, and some of the key players they have on defense. I mean, I think that that's a roster that with the right coach, there's no reason they shouldn't get back to the playoffs, maybe even as soon as next year. But I think in chicago you know with the uh gm ryan pace also being fired they might be looking for a complete overhaul in how they do things and i think with a rookie quarterback like fields they really have to get they really have to get this next hire right um you know i don't really want to speculate on who might get a certain job but i would tell you that i think eric Bieniemy, the coach the offensive coordinator in kansas city might not be a bad guy for the, for the bears to interview, um, as he's obviously been the, the brains behind Kansas city's really, really good offense over the last few years. I mean, really good at selling it very short, you know, they've been, um, spectacular, you know, with Mahomes and all the talent that they have on offense. So Chicago, if I'm, if I'm the ownership in Chicago, Eric B is probably the first person that I try to talk to, um, so, I think we'll get to the wild card matchups. Obviously, it was a, a wild day in the NFL yesterday. There were teams that, you know, lost playoff spots. Uh, the Colts really, I mean, there's not much to say other than they just totally collapsed. Needed a win against Jacksonville to get into the playoffs. They lose. Opens the door for the Steelers. Steelers beat the Ravens in overtime and then are able to get in the playoffs thanks to the overtime win by the Raiders which was pretty crazy you know that was uh that was a game that uh really just kind of went down to the wire um you know game winning field goal as time expired in overtime you know that game ends in a tie both of those teams go to the playoffs Steelers miss out so that would have been a pretty wild ending but the uh, raiders get it done that was a really an outstanding game uh chargers scoring a touchdown as time expired in regulation Brandon Staley, you know, doing what he's done all season long and in fairness to him, he's been consistent, but has made a lot of questionable decisions and cost his team the game. Once again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it, but that's where aggressive coaching gets you. You wanna get angry at Bill Belichick not going for it fourth and an inch. Uh, yesterday. I mean you know, not gonna say that okay, that was the wrong decision, but You know, there's a difference between, you know, when people say coaching to coaching to not lose as opposed to coaching to win, it's just like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. You got to get a lot of something if you're going to call coaches cowards for, you know, not going for it on fourth down when you got a coach who, you know, goes for it on fourth down deep in his own territory. Pretty much cost his team the game, but you know it's fine. I'm not going to say anything. Um, there also was news that I think is official right now, according to Adam Schefter, that the uh, Broncos, who had fired Vic Fangio uh, yesterday, are interested or trying to get permission from the Patriots to speak to Gerard Mayo. So that could be interesting. You know, the Broncos are another interesting job that might come up. So. Sorry, I got way off track talking about the games yesterday because we we're supposed to talk about the uh, games uh, in the playoffs this upcoming weekend, so we'll get to it. Um, obviously, with the Raiders' win yesterday, they are into the playoffs. They will play the Bengals on Saturday at 435. This game is on NBC, and uh, this game's going to be really good. I'm really excited for this game. I think that you know both of these teams are kind of well-known for being teams that kind of, you know, puke all over themselves when they play in the playoffs. Um, you know, Cincinnati obviously has their history of not winning a first round game in a very long time. I think that certainly could change, but I think that Oakland, you know, coming off some really, really close wins that they've had, I think gives them some experience, you know, in a game that I think should be high scoring, um, I think it's going to come down to whatever defense can make a play. You know, I think Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, obviously, they've been outstanding. Both their offenses have really good playmakers. Um, you look on the Raiders side, Josh Jacobs had a great game yesterday. Obviously, Hunter Renfro, 100 catches this year. Uh, Darren Waller, Zay Jones. And then on the Bengals side, you got Jamar Chase, who's probably a shoe in to win. Offensive rookie of the year, Joe Mixon's had a really good season. Um, and you even have T. Higgins, who's a receiver that a lot of people, including myself, forget about um, that he also had a thousand yard season. So I really think it's going to be what defense can make a play. I don't really like what I saw from the Bengals defense against the Chiefs, but in fairness, it is against the Chiefs. Um, I do like the Bengals to win at home, but I do think this is going to be close. Um, I think that their defense can come up with a big play late um, so I don't know what the spread's gonna be on this game, but I like the Bengals, uh, by about three in this game So obviously Patriots-Bills, I'll give you guys a, uh, prediction during my conversation with Andrew Lydon uh, I know that people really want to hear a prediction right now, but, uh, we will definitely We will definitely get back to that, um later this week as to a game prediction, things to look for and things like that. So uh, AFC game is both on Saturday the game on NBC or the game on the early game on Saturday is 435 on NBC and then the Patriots will play in Buffalo s- Saturday night at 815 which will be uh quite a backdrop. It'll look, you know, very similar to the Patriots game in Buffalo a couple of, uh, about a month or so ago. Um, not sure what the weather will look like in that game, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's something crazy, um, because it was pretty windy in Buffalo last week or yesterday as they're playing the Jets. Um, so on Sunday in the early window at one o'clock, you have the Eagles and the Bucs and the Bucks playing Um, the Eagles obviously getting into the playoffs the week before and then gave up 51 points with mostly their backups um, to the Cowboys on Saturday night so you know I'm curious about this game because I think we all know that obviously it's Brady obviously it's you know the, I almost said the revenge tour, like you no know, the uh the Super Bowl defense, um. But I think the Eagles could make this interesting, um, and I think, you know, Jalen Hurts is a quarterback that obviously had a lot of success when he played at Alabama, and obviously has very a lot of experience playing in you know these big big games. You know, I think that that experience may do him well in this game. Um, I think that yes, their the Eagles' defense or the uh, Buccaneers' defense against the run obviously will be a factor as they've been very good at that this season. Um, but I do think that you know you can if Jalen Hurts plays well enough, they can take advantage of that Buccaneers' secondary. Um, And they could make this game interesting. Um, I'm not too worried about the Eagles defense versus Tom Brady. You know, I think Tom may have a little bit extra in the tank, you know, playing them in a playoff game for the first time since Super Bowl 52. So, you know, I wouldn't put anything past Tom Brady in terms of being motivated. So you can guess he'll be motivated for this game. Um, I don't think the Buccaneers lack of weapons in this game like no Antonio Brown no Chris Godwin I don't think it's going to hurt them in this game but it may hurt them in a game maybe against Green Bay or a higher powered offense like Dallas um, or like the Rams perhaps so I like the Bucks to win this game but <laughs> during wild card weekend there's always an upset there's always one game that goes away that you know, people don't expect. There's always one game that you look at and you're like, okay, this will be a wash, that this will be easy. I don't think this is an easy game for Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay wins, but I think it comes down to a, like, game-winning drive or the Eagles go down for a tying score, make a mistake or something like that. I think this game is going to go down to the wire. I like the Bucks by four. Um, I think this is going to be a, a, a low-key, really good game that I think is going to be very intriguing. Uh, San Francisco and the Cowboys. Um, This probably is the game that I'm most looking forward to. Um, You got the 49ers got into the playoffs with an overtime win yesterday against the Rams. Dallas obviously has that, you know, unbelievable offense. They, you know, did a good job of of clicking um, in the Saturday night game against the Eagles. Um, But the 49ers, what they can do on offense with the run game, what they do with Debo Samuel, you know, George Kittle... You know Garoppolo. I think is it's going to come down to how he plays in this game. Um, if the 49ers win, he has to play very well. If they lose or if he plays poorly, there's no chance that they win this game. Um, but you know Dallas sometimes I think is a team that can, you know, get not get overwhelmed. But I think I think they're a team that could get the the moment could be too big for them. Um, and I think that they're a team that. Honestly, sometimes the the pressure of games like this can be an issue, Um, and I think that that could be a problem, um, especially for their defense because I think certainly Trayvon Diggs has had a great season, and you know I think in terms of the interceptions that he's had, I think that you know it can be misleading in terms of all the interceptions that he has um, because he also I think leads the league in yards allowed. Um, so, you know, this is a Dallas defense that I think is solid, but I think if the 49ers can control the clock and control the game, they might be able to win. I really wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers win this on the road. Um, but I think Dallas is going to end up winning. You know, I just think that offense, um, is going to be too much of a problem for the 49ers, uh, especially in the secondary. So I like Dallas by seven, um, the Chiefs and the Steelers, will play in the Sunday night game on NBC. Um, So the 1 o'clock game on Sunday is on Fox, 4.30 on CBS, and then 8.15 on NBC. Steelers and Chiefs, um, I think this is a game that I will look past. (laughs) I know that I said that there's always a game that, like, you know, you you look past, but then it ends up being a good game. I don't think this is going to be a good game. Um, And I'll be honest, I was rooting for the Ravens yesterday because I kind of thought... They would put up a better game against the Chiefs than the Steelers will. Um, But, you know, who knows? You know, Ben Roethlisberger, I guess maybe in a way it was nice to see him get a win uh, in yesterday's game so they go to the playoffs. But um, I think it's going to be a uh, pretty rude send-off for Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think the Steelers have any chance to win this game. Uh, But I will say, if they can run Najee Harris, if he's healthy enough— and they can run him and they can control the clock, they might be able to do it. Um, because Denver kind of played a very good game against the Chiefs um, on on Saturday afternoon. You know, they almost came away with the win. So I just, I just don't really have a lot of confidence in the Steelers' passing game. You know, I think the Chiefs, they are pretty weak in the secondary. But I think there's not really enough that the Steelers do offensively that should scare them. You know, they're a team that struggles to score 24 points in a game, and I think the Chiefs should be able to score that many points. You know, T.J. Watt obviously is going to be a problem uh, for the Chiefs' offensive line as he, you know, tied the single-season record for, for sacks in a season, which was pretty cool to see. Um, I think that, yes, T.J. Watt obviously is a player that can you know, blow up a game plan. But I just think the Chiefs are way too talented um, offensively. And I think Mahomes is going to have a huge day against the Steelers secondary. So I like the Chiefs by at least 14 in this game. Um, And then the Monday night game. Yes, there is a Monday night game in the playoffs, which will be very interesting. This game will be in L.A. The Rams against the Cardinals. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to this game, too. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Uh actually had a chance to win the division yesterday with the Rams loss, but the Cardinals lost on the road to Seattle. So, or at home to Seattle, excuse me. So the Cardinals are a weird team. I really don't know what to make of them. It really looked like they were unbeatable for a portion of this season. Um, Then injuries hit, and now they've just kind of been this weird team that I just don't know what to make of. Um, And it kind of seems that way for the Rams. Like, I think they've either lost some games recently or they've played down to opponents where it's like, okay, they're, they're much better than this, but are they, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think this is going to be kind of the, this is the biggest toss up game. Um, in my opinion, I really think that this game could go either way. Um, and I think it may come down to which quarterback can avoid mistakes. You know, can Stafford avoid their own picks? Can Kyler Murray, you know, make enough plays with his arm. You know, obviously he can do whatever he wants with his legs, but I think, you know, he's got to make some good throws in this game. Um, I really, really don't know about this, you guys. <laughs> I'm really not sure about this game, but I'll just pick the Rams because they're at home. Um, and because, yeah, it would be interesting to see a home team get to the Super Bowl, but um, I like the Rams, but I think this is going to be a field goal game. I think it's going to be a winning field goal at the end of regulation. Um, Or in overtime. I think you could see an overtime game uh, with this one on Monday night. So I think that probably does it for the uh, NFL. We'll go a little bit quickly, go through the NHL and NBA and some notes um, in both leagues. Uh, The NHL has postponed a couple of games uh, tonight, I believe, or or in the next few days. Um, The Sharks waving and will terminate. Evander Kane's contract, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury returned to Vegas, got a great standing ovation. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov got put on uh injured reserve by the Minnesota Wild. Um, believe that Artemi Panarin uh, could return for the Rangers tonight um, after clearing the COVID protocol. Uh, Bruins obviously in action tonight in Washington. Um, Then two other games on the NHL schedule, Seattle travels to Colorado. They're starting to catch fire. Um, And then the Rangers against the Kings. So we'll take a look at the standings. Um, Obviously, things have changed a little bit in the Metro. I think things are going to be very volatile in that division and in the Atlantic, too. Uh, Carolina currently leads the Metro as they have three games in hand on the Rangers. They actually have the same amount of points. Both teams have 50 uh, but the NHL always gives the tiebreaker to the team with fewer games played um, as their point percentage you know, is much higher. So Carolina in first, the Rangers in second, uh, the uh, Capitals, excuse me, back in third place with 49 points. In the Atlantic, Florida has now taken the division lead over Tampa Bay. They both have 51 points, Florida two games in hand. And then the Maple Leafs are four points back with 47 points for third in the Atlantic. And then the two wild card spots, Pittsburgh, just recently had their ten game win streak snapped. Um, and then the Bruins in that second wild card, Pittsburgh with forty five points, Bruins with thirty eight, a two point lead over Detroit right now. But the Bruins obviously have uh, five games in hand, so they got a pretty healthy uh, advantage there, as their points percentage is, you know, over six hundred. The Bruins, I think, so the top eight teams in the Eastern Conference have you know, the best points percentage, you know, Detroit and Columbus are the next closest that so they're literally at 500. So I'm not too worried about the Bruins. You know, I think they just continue to get points, you know, take advantage of the games in hand. I think that they'll, I think mean, that they'll be, uh, be fine in the Western conference, Nashville, uh, leading the West now a point lead over St. Louis um, and then a four point lead over Colorado. Uh, Vegas in first place in the Pacific, two point lead over Anaheim, 47-45. Calgary has forty points there in third in the Pacific, and then in the wild card standing things, the wild card standings things are going to get very interesting, um, as we kind of inch closer to the trade deadline that whatever that time is going to be. Uh, Minnesota in that first wild card position, forty four points, and then Los Angeles currently in the second wild card spot, with thirty nine points. San Jose is tied in points. Edmonton is a point back, Winnipeg is two points back, Dallas is three, and Vancouver is four. Uh, yeah, things are going to get wild in the Western Conference um, over the next few months. Uh, very interested to see how that goes. So we'll take a look, move over to the, to the association. Um, obviously, the big news over the weekend, Clay Thompson made his much-anticipated uh, debut after two, about two years out of the game. Um, scored 17 points off the bench for the Warriors in a win. Um, so I just will say like, that's been, that was really cool to see uh, his return. You know, I think the Warriors are a team that obviously stunk it up a couple of years ago that obviously I think had a lot to do with Klay Thompson not being available, but I think, you know, yeah, now you're seeing him and Curry back together. I think this Warriors team could uh, start winning championships again, which is uh, not good news for the rest of the league. Um. And I said last week, John Morant uh, playing for the Grizzlies. Grizzlies are playing great. He's playing great. Um, although Dylan Brooks is out three to five weeks with an injury. Um, obviously, Kyrie Irving returned for the Nets over the weekend. Um, or returned for the Nets last week. Um, then they played the Bucks on Friday night. Um, I think I'll take a look at the standings. But first... We'll take a look at some games tonight, Milwaukee and Charlotte at 7, Utah and Detroit also at 7, Celtics playing at the Garden at 7.30, the Spurs traveling to New York to play the Knicks at 7.30, Philadelphia and Houston will play at 8 o'clock in Houston, 10 o'clock in Sacramento, Cleveland will play against the Kings, and then Brooklyn and Portland will play at 10 o'clock in Portland as we take a look at the standings. So the Bulls still have the lead in the East. Nets and Heat the two and three. The Bucks four, Sixers fifth. And the Cavaliers and six in the in the play in the Raptors, the Hornets, the Wizards, and the Celtics. Celtics have a uh, somehow some advantage over the Knicks because it's it's interesting to me because both teams have the same record. The Knicks have beaten the Celtics. Two out of three games. I'm not sure why the Celtics have the tiebreaker, but they do. I'm not going to ask any more questions. <laughs> so the Celtics in 10th, and then the Knicks right there on the edge. Um, the Hawks are a game and a half out of the play-in. As uh, I think there's some rumblings that John Collins is not happy in Atlanta, so that's something to keep your eye on. Uh, Phoenix and Golden State tied with the same record, 30-9. Utah is in third. Memphis in fourth. Dallas fifth. Denver 6th, and then the play-in teams, the Lakers, the Timberwolves, the Clippers, and the Spurs, and the Trailblazers are right there um, tied with the Spurs. So um, that probably is it for a little notes on the NBA. We'll do two quick notes on uh, college sports, and then we'll uh, be out of your hair. (laughs) Um, Obviously, tonight, the uh, NCAA, or the CFP, the College Football Playoff National Championship, uh, Georgia against Alabama, and this is is going to be an awesome game to watch. I'm very looking forward to this. Obviously, uh, both teams winning their uh, semifinal matchups rather easily. So you know, there really wasn't much to. There's really not a lot to, to analyze about oh, over those last two games. But I think um, I'm very curious to see how Georgia comes out in the beginning because you might remember in two thousand eighteen. Uh, When they last played in the championship, Georgia came out well and led for the majority of the game. So, you know, I think that it'll be interesting to see if they come out flying like they did a couple years ago. But, you know, obviously have to make the key defensive plays down the stretch. Um, I think that this game is going to be low scoring, more low scoring than the SEC championship game where Alabama put up 41 points. Um, I think you're going to see fewer points then that, you know, I think Georgia's defense is going to be out to prove that that game was an anomaly and they're actually truly the best, def- best defense in the country. Um, but I think as much as a lot of stuff is going to be said about Bryce Young um, and how he's won the Heisman Trophy um, and how good that Alabama offense is, Stetson Bennett is the, is the X Factor in this game. You know, through two interceptions in the SEC Championship, Um, and that really kind of was the difference. You know, I think he has to play the best game of his career in this game. Um, and he played really well against Michigan and, you know, Michigan's a very good defense. And I think that obviously Michigan is not Alabama. It's not the, you know, the Goliath, but it is a very good defense. You know, Aiden Hutchinson was a Heisman finalist for a reason. You know, they have a couple of really good players on that defense. So He played really well against Michigan. Be curious to see what he can do against Alabama. I mean, if you know Nick Saban, he's probably drawn up a pretty good game plan to defend against him, but Georgia cannot turn the ball over. They have to try to control the clock um, and make key plays on third down. Um, As much as Bryce Young has won the Heisman Trophy and has been very good this season, I didn't think he was at his best against Cincinnati. I think that they did a solid job of making him feel uncomfortable and you know, taking advantage of that Alabama offensive line that has had, you know, some, some bad moments this year. They've been very good recently. That's not to say that they haven't been good recently because they were able to, you know, keep him upright for the majority of the Cincinnati game, but he didn't really look himself, and he didn't look himself against Auburn either. So I think if Georgia can get good pressure on him, make him uncomfortable, Georgia may have a very good chance of winning this game. Um Georgia can't get into a track meet with Alabama. Um, They're not going to win that way. You know, I think Alabama wants to get out and play that, like, quick strike offense, shot for shot type of game. Georgia has to do their best to, you know, elongate Alabama's drives. You know, and I know that that's a double-edged sword. I know that that's dangerous because you don't want your defense out on on the field for too long. Um, But I think they need to do a good job, especially in the red zone, and especially limiting those big plays. Um, you know, I want to pick Georgia because I actually do think they're the safe pick, but it's so hard to pick against Alabama, especially they've had so much experience with these games, you know, with with Nick Saban, with so many of these guys that have played in these games. Um, but I think revenge is, is something that, uh, is, is something that really can, you know, power a team and make them motivated. And I think Georgia can, knock off Alabama but they have to be focused you know you can't lose focus in this game and that means taking care of the ball on offense not trying to do not trying to do too much Uh, being aware of where Jamison Williams is on the field at all times um, defensively so man I like Georgia to win but I have a hard time picking against Alabama but this is going to be a this is going to be a game for the ages absolutely I think this is going to be uh, very similar to the game that they played a couple of years ago, uh, that Alabama won on the game winning touchdown, I'm not going to say that it's going to end the same way, but it could be a very similar type of game that you have two teams that really are just so evenly matched that it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but I do like Georgia. I think it's going to be a three point game, but man, it's going to be a good game. So enjoy it. Um, So I think we'll do a little bit of college basketball before we get out of here. Um, Out of your hair, I didn't mean to say that in a a, a certain way, but uh, we'll get to some college basketball. The uh, top 25 just dropped a couple of hours ago. A lot of ranked teams dropped games um, on the road over the weekend, so a lot of of change in the top 25. I know that it's kind of been like I've been reading it kind of lazily the last few weeks because not much has changed. Oh, but a lot has changed this week. Uh, Baylor staying at number one, really the only team that that kept its spot. It's actually ridiculous. You look at the top 10, Baylor at one, Michigan State at 10. Those were the only teams that stayed where they were this past weekend. Every other team moved at least a spot, either up or down. Some of the biggest risers this week, uh, Wisconsin up 10 spots from 23 to 13. Texas Tech up from 25 to 19. They got a big win against Kansas this weekend. Seton Hall up four spots from 24 to 20 as they beat UConn in overtime this week. Um, Auburn is up five spots to number four in the country. They beat uh, uh, Florida at home this weekend, so they are at fourth in the country. That's the highest I've seen them (laughs) in a very long time. Um, So the top five, Baylor, Gonzaga at two, UCLA three, Auburn four. And then USC at five, some of the biggest fallers. Texas dropped from 14 to 21. Alabama dropped from 15 to 24. Providence down to 23 from 16. Uh, Duke dropped out of the top five after their loss at home to unranked Miami. Kansas dropping to number nine. Purdue dropping to number seven. So a lot of crazy stuff going on. So um, definitely some game take a look at we'll take a look at some games in the next coming days. Uh, fourth ranked Auburn, you know, has that, you know, sparkly fourth number four rating. Number four ranking, but now they have to go to Alabama. They have to go to twenty fourth ranked Alabama. That's gonna be a really good game. Uh, that game is on Tuesday night. I think I'm trying to look for any ranked games on on Tuesday, doesn't look like I'm finding anything interesting, um, but obviously January 11th, Tuesday, Auburn against Alabama. Uh, fifth-ranked USC will play against Stanford. Tuesday at five, you have Kansas back at it at home against Iowa State. This game also at Tuesday night at eight o'clock. Top-ranked Baylor goes against 19th-ranked Texas Tech. That game is also Tuesday night at seven, so you got plenty of games on Tuesday night. Um, and then on Wednesday, fourteenth ranked Villanova, seventeenth ranked Xavier, eighth ranked Duke plays on the road against Wake Forest. Wake Forest is thirteen and three, so that might be another tough matchup for Duke. So I think that's gonna do it for for me this week. I know that I said I'd try to keep these episodes a little shorter than usual, but. I'm excited about the new format. Really looking forward to getting that uh, out to you guys. And please let me know, you know, about the new format. You know, obviously give us a couple of weeks to kind of get in a rhythm. But just obviously, uh, let me know if you like that. If you like that new format, and you know, listen on Apple Podcasts, listen on Spotify, follow the Facebook and Twitter page. Um, everyone, have a good next few days be back on guest Friday with uh, Andrew Leiden to talk about the Patriots and their upcoming matchup in Buffalo. All right, everyone, I'll talk to you next time.